0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these go to 11. Once again, Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Zach Bartles. Zach, what's going on, man? <laughs> did,
1: did you hear when the music started? <laughs> and Ted just went. You're like, like, I mean, nice. judging our music. <laughs> it's easy listening. I like it. I like, I like it. our music. It's kind of cool. I like cool. your music too. It's I, like it, I
2: like it better than the Happy hour music. I'm not going to lie. I'm okay. just going to put does that does out this like a robot being like, sexually yeah.
1: assaulted by another robot? <laughs> exactly. That's kind of the vibe we were going for on the happy rant. So. It does occur <laughs> to me though, Ted, that it's kind of the opposite of our music, which is like, like, like uh, really hardcore guitar and stuff from the '90s. Dude, our uh, music is perfect. I love the '90s. So, but I'm, Nathan I'm and I have our own little thing going here, and it's kind of, uh, it, hey, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. It's like, um. It's like NPR, kind of, isn't it, dude? Just, it's a little NPR-ish, man. Yeah, what do you Nathan, think of that Nathan? It's a little.
0: It's a little NPR. I, I'm down with that. I, I could handle that. You know, a little less uh, politically uh, divisive, I would hope. Eh. Oh, sure. I sure. don't know.
1: Earlier, I was trying to get Ted and
0: Nathan to fight. So.
2: <laughs> now that comes later in the podcast. Man. We got to make them wait
1: for that. That's right.
0: <laughs> man, you can't get any better than podcast fighting. I'll tell you what.
1: Yes, right, yes. There's nothing sad about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we are – obviously we have Ted Kluck here joining us today talking about uh, the book that you pulled together with your good partner there, Zach Bartles. Uh, And the name of the book, I have it right here, Uh, A Hard Thing on a Beautiful Day and Other Essays. And I had to read that because I got the book literally 45 seconds ago. So – it's good show prep. It is, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> exactly. this is how we roll on this podcast. You know, you talk about Absolutely. NPR, they've got nothing on us when it comes to quality.
2: You know what? Zach is a good partner too. I'm glad you said it that way. That's kinda that's kind of nice.
1: We've actually <laughs> tried to transition over to work friend because it's yeah. less ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Zach
2: is my work friend. We banter <laughs> at work. <laughs>
0: oh man before we get into the book though want to shout out real quick to uh mission aware uh just remind people that we are still partners with them uh in a non-controversial sort of way uh we love the stuff that they produce and uh zach did you get any more word on your uh theologian busts over there
1: dude i am i am longing for those the the bust of one uh Charles Spurgeon and I don't mean that in the sense that he was a heavier guy and undoubtedly had you know need of a man's ear. I mean I got I got Spurgeon and I got Kelvin on the way. Um and you know what occurred to me today? I was looking at my desk every once in a while I like I like adjust my desk just so to try and make it look a little bit more like if if Don Draper was a pastor. And uh I was like when I get those those busts I'm going to put him right here on the edge of the desk with a bunch of books between, and I was like trying to remember what it looked like, and in my mind, it only would make sense if John Kelvin's like pointy long beard hung off the desk <laughs> right like <laughs> down like eight or ten inches, but I don't think it does, but maybe that's something Jeff could work on later uh, once he's you know beard Let's
2: hear it. What are the odds we could get Jeff to make busts of us? <gasps> oh. I'm not going to rest until I've got a bust of you and me on my desk. That sounds like, uh, that's the best. That sounds like the best idea you've had in a long you time. You know what it would pair nicely with? <laughs> What's that? The handsome leather desk blotter that you brought for me <laughs> last year. <laughs> that I'm leaning on right now. I'm, I'm leaning on the desk blotter as we make radio.
1: Now let me ask you: Have you put the desk blotter on the floor and your elbows are on it, and you're sort of coquettishly <laughs> kicking the yes. seat? Yeah, and I'm, t- I'm twirling the phone cord in my in, <laughs> in my finger,
2: <laughs> lying on my bed. Yeah, with the desk blotter and the
1: phone. I don't know. Oh. I don't know how, but we started talking about Ted's book, and then mm-hmm. we never really got into Ted's book, and now we're talking about like b- mental images uh, that will emasculate Ted. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Well, think about this one. Do you know what
2: else I haven't done? I haven't angrily thrown the desk blotter into the river like, oh. the, like the kid on Dead Poets Society. <laughs> Unlike him, I appreciate my desk blotter.
1: Nathan, what do you think of uh, Dead Poets Society?
0: Uh, you know, it's been so long since I've seen it. I honestly don't have an opinion on it. And to tell you the truth, I have no desire to go back and see it again. So I don't well, know. Well, it's that's...
1: trash, but it's fun trash, you know? Absolutely.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. My wife was – I think one of our friends gave it to my wife because she's an English teacher and so they were like, oh, you'll really like this and appreciate it. And She had never seen it before and she was like, this is absolutely horrible. This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. So I've never gone back and rewatched it since then.
1: Why haven't you and your wife watched uh, Karate Kid 3?
0: Karate Kid 3?
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, that's a that's great a good... date
1: movie, by the way. That... <laughs> yeah, and it's also the worst movie that you'll have ever seen once you've seen it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> that, that is a fair point. That is a fair point. I, I've got to say the last time I saw Karate Kid 3 was also a number of years ago. I think like when it first came out on VHS. So it, it's been a while. I'll have to refresh myself on some of these movies.
1: Now, when you watched Karate Kid 3, do you remember whether or not you wanted – to uh get rich enough so that you can sit in a standard bathroom sink.
0: That that was my life goal uh, at that time. <laughs> I do remember that life. fondly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Mine too, yeah. I want a, I want a Schwitz, a private Schwitz, and I want a private giant sink. <laughs> or the technology to shrink myself down to sit in a standard sink. Is that too much to ask?
2: And busts for
1: a <laughs> busts for mission aware. So Jeff, if you're listening, Get to work on all those things. You know, compared to the shrinking technology, the idea of getting busts of us made and mission aware sounds downright doable. You
2: know? Dude, that's what I like to do in these negotiations. <laughs> I like to give them something outlandish and then something easy that they can accomplish.
1: I'm all <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want to be able to be strung down and fucking sit in my sink. <laughs> Not that? Okay. I want you to make a bust of me. Exactly. Exactly. Now it seems doable. Chad, let me, let me uh, segue it back to the book, man. Sure. Um, when the bust comes out, do mm-hmm. you want it to be of you now uh, with your, your locks and maybe you know the, the blue glasses, so like even tinted blue on the, on the bust? Or oh, nice. do you want it to be from uh, your more clean cut, why we're not emergent days, or perhaps from your giant necked, dead Garfield eyes, college football days?
2: Dude, I think I would kind of like a giant neck one. You know, just to, like, refer to it and remember what I used to be, you know? Um, and I also think, like, just, just carving that much neck out of, like, granite or whatever they make the, the, uh, the bus from would be it – would, it would be an interesting exercise. So I'm, I'm going giant neck and dead Garfield on that one, which, by the way, speaking of the book, not to bring it back to that, but you you sketched a, uh, a wonderful rendition of the dead garfield ass photos. So people, um, they can enjoy that if they purchase – a copy of a hard thing on a beautiful day.
1: Yeah, Nathan. I don't know if, if Ted wanted me to, but I illustrated his book, and uh, you can you. find you can find this picture if you've got that that PDF on page two fifty two. I want to hear your reaction to it
0: on page two fifty two. All right. Yes, it's exactly what Ted looked like.
1: What what year is this? <laughs>
2: sophomore year of college. Sophomore year of college. So yeah, roughly like nineteen ninety five somewhere in that in that time period. Our,
1: our boy was very very muscular, uh, not yet very very literate. Um, Correct. He had started reading, uh, you know, non-sport Anything. things. Yeah, uh, yeah, hadn't met his lady, hadn't found his 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 niche in the world, but he knew how to do, uh, you know, a leg press and a freaking. How do you get that big neck? Is that the one you actually just like? like yeah, lift do, the too. weights with your head. Uh, yeah, a
2: couple of things. So you actually you do shrugs. So like the shrugs <laughs> give you the the huge traps. So Sounds you like grab like a
1: shrug you would do.
2: Yeah, no, you you grab like. 80 pound dumbbells or hundred pound dumbbells in each hand and just like shrug them. And then, uh, football players get the huge neck by actually wearing a helmet. So like you wear the helmet, you wear it in practice, you know, you yeah. smash into other guys and your neck just kind of gets big and strong like that. So, um, is, is, is Nathan like grinding pepper in the background? Tass- the... back there? <laughs> Is this a cooking Ted, program? Ted, I was trying
0: to take my cue from you where you love to eat on your podcast, but I wanted to up it to that next level where I was cooking everything before I ate it. Dude,
2: we're going to prepare and eat the food on this podcast. I love that. That's next level. Uh, now, Ted,
1: Nathan, I'm sorry there. I just wanted to say I, I haven't been doing any shrugs lately, yeah. but I have found that a lot of my dress shirts, I have a hard time buttoning that top button these days. Yeah. So whatever I'm doing, I'm doing something right, I guess. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Keep doing it. What were you going to say, man? I was going to ask Nathan what his.
2: See, I don't know Nathan at all. I don't know where he lives. I don't know what his college persona was like. Like, what was he like in in nineteen ninety
0: five,
2: uh, or whenever he was in college? What did What did that look like? I was going
0: to say, if you're going back to nineteen ninety five, I'm, I'm a little younger than you guys, so that's uh, oh. that's going back a ways. Yes, um, yes, so, yeah. just to let you know, my wife actually thought I was a uh, I was a punk uh, because okay. I had uh, torn jeans. They were my absolute favorite pair of jeans and I had not yet had a chance to go out and get them replaced. So the knees were all torn out of them. I had a,
2: that's a little dangerous.
0: I know. (laughs) know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Nathan, where'd you go to college?
0: Uh, I went to Houghton college. Are you familiar with that one?
2: I am. I am familiar with it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So yep, it's in the uh, absolute middle of nowhere. Uh, for those who don't know, um, yep. So went there and yeah. So when my wife first saw me, I had my ear pierced. Uh, I had long hair pulled into a ponytail and I wore this, uh, pleather jacket that had some martial arts patches all over it. So my, oh, man. my wife, she saw me and she, uh, she thought like, I, you know, I just took one look at me and she's like, man, this, this guy's a total punk. I mean, did you have the beginnings of a mustache? Dude, she's oh, like he
2: either. Dude, I had he either a full beard. Either rides a motorcycle <laughs> or he works in the AV room at our college, yeah. checking out the VCRs.
0: <laughs> oh man, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So she she thought I was a uh, I was a total punk, and then I went home over Christmas break, and uh, I, I totally got a haircut. So by the time I got back, I looked like one of the Backstreet Boys. I was all clean cut and shaved, and uh, yeah. Did you so. have the
1: like meticulously groomed like? facial hair like into shapes like those backstreet boys did. oh i was
0: totally clean cut i uh i uh, had shaved the whole thing off at that point
2: dude now what, what are we looking at here like early 2000s
0: yep yep okay so that was yep. that was 2001
2: dude so what are you listening to a little uh little lincoln park a little fred durst i don't know like what, dude, what you're, is a dangerous you're spot
0: on man you're spot I know. on what oh is a dangerous God.
2: guy at Houghton college listening to and in... that is the <laughs> worst era for that kind of music
1: dude dude terrible absolutely terrible
0: Uh, i make no apologies for my younger self
1: (laughs) nathan have you found have you found dead garfield eyes
0: yet i'm still looking for it i have not found it (laughs) that's that pepper grinding that you heard ted
2: it's it's not pepper grinding what is
0: it it's the sound of my mouse uh scrolling down the pages
2: oh nice man i I could (laughs) have swore it was pepper grinding
1: (laughs) Well, mm-hmm. let, let me read to you uh, the and not to you, Nathan, because you've already read it. This is the part of the book you read, but the headings <laughs> on this book. There's there's 80 essays, and they're written between 2009 and 2019. So I don't know if you're if you're any good at math, but that's a full decade, oh, ten years, man, ten years. <laughs> and and it's I, I would suggest really the best of Ted Cluck in that time. Although granted, he did write a lot of kind of short nonfiction that worked its way into books. Yeah. Um, so, for example, there was one piece that I really wanted to get in this book about his time working, like, grinding concrete and stuff, but it had already gone into another book, and, and you know, you can't, you can't double dip in that way in most cases. So, As opposed to grinding pepper like Nathan. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, two, two sides of the same coin, really. So, know, so I
0: like did just drills. find this just? picture that you're, that you're referring to. Dude, that, that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I like there. There are just no words. I mean, Ted, you look like a cross between. Do you remember that? Uh, uh, do you ever watch Saved by the Bell? Sure. Did you watch the College Years?
2: Uh, I don't think so. Not a devotee. Oh, not a devotee. Okay,
0: okay. Well, in the College Years, there was like this really jacked uh, kind of dorm leader that they had. It's it's like a cross between that and and you're absolutely right. Like Garfield, it's amazing. There you go.
2: There you go. Yeah. Zach's a, he's a master, you know, I mean, we, we don't, Nathan, we couldn't begin to understand his process on these things, but I just, uh, I just, I just enjoy the finished product.
0: You just turn it over to him and let him do his thing, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just turn him loose. A lot of toothpicks, a lot of oil on canvas, you know, just let the artist
1: work. Yeah, turning the pencil a little bit sideways and kind of shading with the side of (laughs) it.
2: Dude, I was always impressed by the shading guys in our class. You know, I'm like, oh, it's next level. Those guys really know what they're
1: doing. And and then there was always one, like all of them sucked, but there was always one who was like, that's going to be what I do. I can shade like that too, but he didn't know what he was doing and and it didn't look any good. Um, (laughs) I think the shading guys, like they always overdid it. And
2: their their, their arms, like their whole forearm was covered with like pencil because they're leaning all over it you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so the the uh subject headings here this four sections is life um which talks about everything from life in academia to uh you know our our culture The one of the one of the whole things is just called dear inane music at restaurants please mm-hmm. stop which <laughs> but, you know a lot of a lot of uh kind of observational stuff, but instead of just being like, what's the deal with Ted will take something that he observes in, in the world, in the culture, in the classroom, whatever, and deconstruct it to the point where he gets to something like kind of basic to, to the human condition or, or just, you know, that really irks him Uh, (laughs) and and very, very uh, cleverly, but not in a way that seems intentionally cleverly talk about it. Um, Then there's pop culture. Uh, and again, we're talking about a wide gamut of things, too. Uh, so we're talking about stuff back all the way in the 90s and the 80s, uh, all the way up through. What's the most recent movie here? We're talking about uh, Creed II. Yeah, probably um,
2: Creed II, Wind River, maybe. Um, yeah, there were, some, there were some recent ones in there, I think.
1: So now, a Zach, lot of. But,
2: did, our, uh, did our experience covering a Christian music festival make it into this section, or was that in a different section?
1: No, that's in the last section. Gotcha, gotcha. Third section is called sports. Um, a lot of stuff in there about being a fan, a lot of stuff uh, kind of reflecting on being a sports writer and uh, the sort of culture that he was part of while also observing um, Nathan, I think you're more of a sports guy than me, but you're not a full on sports guy. Like you couldn't jump on with B pipe and Ted and, and, co-host happy rant sports.
0: Yeah. Not even a little bit. Well, and the thing is like with, uh, Ted, I think you would have a lot of fun, uh, severely mocking me, uh, for, for my sports interests because I actually, Let's do that. all right, that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh-huh. Um, I am a huge, uh, soccer fan. Uh, and oh, so sure. I follow, you know, I follow the world cup. That's, that's kind of my go-to sport. Uh, I enjoy baseball, but only when I'm at the stadium, I couldn't really sit down yeah. and watch a game on TV. Uh, basketball, you just totally lose me when you start talking about that. Um, so do you want to take a couple minutes and, and analyze me there on, on, on my choices or. Dude, Yeah, I'm not
2: going to make funny, man. I'm no, I'm not going to make funny at all. I just want to know vis-a-vis the soccer watching, like. Uh-huh. Do you so? Do you have kids? You're a dad.
0: No, no,
2: no. Okay, uh, but you're a you're like a almost middle aged guy. Yep. Um, what's your what's your soccer jersey situation? Like, I don't, I don't have are a you jersey.
0: Going,
2: you don't have a jersey. See that that actually bodes well, man. Um, to me, the most ridiculous thing is to see these paunchy, like middle aged, pasty, like white dads with like the the little like tight nylon jersey that says like Fly Emirates or you right, know it's, right, it's right. got some like. <laughs> soccer logo emblazoned on it and uh i don't know i just i kind of roll my eyes when i see that
0: but, now is uh, that is that specific to soccer with you or is that all sports
2: dude it's specific to soccer because these guys all they all kind of have this ethos that like um i almost said something real inappropriate that you would have had to bleep out later but uh, they, they've all they've all got like a a, a love <laughs> affair with europe um, so I know what you
1: almost said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what I almost said. Yeah. They've all got a, like a, like a little Jones for Europe in that they all, you know, like they, they read CS Lewis and you know, they read all these authors and they really wish they like grown up in England or grown up somewhere on the continent. Uh-huh. And, uh, so, so yeah, they like, they order these, uh, these European soccer jerseys and, and wear them around cause they think it makes them look more worldly and refined. And, uh, I just think it's funny, but, uh, Fair but enough. no, man, I, like what you like what you wanna like. That's my that's my sports fandom advice. I also think, you know, your baseball fandom today is where I was like five years ago. But as I've gotten older, now that I'm like a completely broken down, decrepit old man, like I actually really love watching baseball on TV. It really makes me happy. Okay. So you're you're maybe a few years down the road from that. But yeah, just like the ebb and flow, the the like little the patter, the rhythms of baseball in the summer—it's uh, it's an enjoyable thing for me. So maybe you've got that to look forward to down the line.
0: Now, where the, are you on was, the Olympics? Oh boy!
2: Uh, absolutely no interest in the Olympics. Okay. Yeah, none whatsoever. The last Olympics I remember caring about was the one where uh, all the all the like sprinters were like steroidal. So I think this was like 1988, and they were breaking all the records. And uh, yeah, so we're we're going way back for that. But yeah, I have no
1: interest
0: in
2: the Olympics. None, gotcha. none whatsoever.
0: What were you going to say, I tell Zach? You,
1: I was going to say, Ted, did I tell you that there's a, uh, a minor league like soccer team playing in town now? Dude, you no. did mention that, and, and I didn't ask any follow-up questions, but is that is that thing making a go of it there in Lansing? Or are It they seems successful? like it. I really was surprised by my desire to go, and yeah. I think it had something to do with how cool their logo was, and mm-hmm. the fact that that made it seem like I live in a bigger, more exciting city than I do.
2: Now, is their logo, Zach, is it cooler than the new City of Lansing logo?
1: <laughs> you mean you mean the three bent lines? Three bent lines, cost exactly. Cost $100,000? It <laughs> exactly. is cooler than that, yeah. It's a spark cl- plug, like firing, uh, it's called the Lansing Ignite,
2: which oh, is dude, I like that.
1: super awesome. And Anything I've been, auto industry, man. I mean, we're, we're kind of suckers for that. I've been going to the, uh, the minor league games more yeah. lately, and I feel a desire— to, like, get in on that, like, like care yeah. a lot about it. Like, I, I, I even also listen to one on the radio. Now, I've always yeah. loved having a ball game on the radio in the background, even when I don't care yeah. about it. I just like the sound of it, or it makes Absolutely. makes me think of being a kid. Yep. But I don't know. I feel like I may be um, on a track toward being, like, someone who, like, could tell you what the, the Lansing Lugnuts record is in a given summer and, like, who's ahead of them, you know, in the, in the little minor league uh, echelon. <laughs>
2: Dude, I like that track. You know what I would like to do with you in the future? I would like for us to own a minor league baseball team together. Oh. So do you think if maybe we sold enough copies of this book and, <laughs> and our smoking book as a company, Gut Check could buy, we could buy some shares in a minor league team. I, I would like that. I, I, I'd like to see you and me in like a, a luxury box at a minor league stadium like, like gentlemen. What would be the mascot? Mm. See, I don't know, dude, but here, here's an old man thing I'm going to lay on you and tell me if you agree with this or not. So I, I love minor league baseball also, and I, we have a team here in Jackson that I, that I go and watch frequently. The Generals. And, yeah, the Generals. And one, one of the things that bugs me about it is like just the cacophony of like 12 seconds of pop songs during oh, yes. every break. That makes and, my son irate. <laughs> dude, it makes me irate. I hate it. And like, I want to go back. So I want to buy a minor league baseball team. And I want to take out like all the piped-in pop music and just go back to like a guy playing an organ, yeah, and just the ambient noise of the ballpark. And um, that's how I would run the team, man. And and I want to know if if that resonates with you,
1: dude. Yeah, you're you're you know that does. I know. You're inane music at uh, minor league stadiums. Yeah. Stop. Exactly. But you know what? I think we we buy like uh, I don't know. Let's say Dayton has a team or something. Yeah. And we rename it the Boxers. Okay. Which fits with our ethos is funny because you're naming one sporting team after another sport, <laughs> That's but right. then like the the mascot itself would be like a dog, like a mean-looking boxer.
2: Yes, oh, I like it. I like it.
1: All yes. we need is the money. I mean, the hard work's done. <laughs> you know
2: what? We've done all the legwork here. I mean, we've really we've done our our due diligence here on this business, and uh, now it's just time for someone to to buy like eight million copies of this book so that we can. <laughs> could fire minor league baseball team you you
0: don't even Uh, need that i say you just set up a kickstarter page for that and and you'd be good to go
2: (laughs) (laughs) i like it we could give just like free tickets in perpetuity to all our kickstarters provided we're able to purchase yeah let's do it man let's let's
1: look into that uh i will look into it tonight (laughs) absolutely (laughs) but i would like to sell eight million copies of this book whose fourth and final section is called gut check And contains. Yeah. Did you see how I just kind of smoothly. It contains not only very uh, astute, kind of, I want to say speculative pieces like Mystic Pizza Revisited, where are they now? (laughs) Uh, Some things you've already heard on the radio, like uh, the Happy Rant Evangelical Cruise activities schedule. Um, some long-form stuff, uh, including the thing Ted referred to, which was I Want to Go to the Hallway. It was a long night of uh, corny Christian music festival stuff that Ted and I endured, amongst many nights of that, uh, while he was writing a book that was not to be. Uh, and then a bunch of like little like one-pager type things, like titles of popular Christian books, if you replace one of the key words in the title with the word parkour. Um, <laughs> so... Nice, dude. I think my favorite piece in there is the revisionist history of Ted and Zach. Like that's where the um, eyes comes come. Yeah, yeah.
2: What would have What would have happened if we had met at Taylor University, where where I attended college, and where you had uh, you had family? So we we could have easily met in the '90s at Taylor.
1: Ted and I have determined we were absolutely in the same room at least five, six times during the '90s, yep. mid midnight, early to mid '90s. Yep. Uh, and yet we didn't meet until two thousand and. Eight or two thousand seven. Nice. Wasn't meant to be, baby. Oh well, dude. So that's a book you need to buy. Get out there and and buy it. You can buy it on Ted. Why don't you talk about our special our special arrangement for for? Yeah, man.
2: I I couldn't be more excited about this deal that we put together, Zach and and Nathan. Here's what it is. So there's a website. Yeah. Um, it's called www.amazon.com, and we have partnered with them.
0: Man, I I think I've heard of them before. They sound familiar.
2: they're, they're really good to work with, I tell you, man. They've just been, they've been champs. And the way this thing works is um, anytime anybody buys a book, uh, part of the proceeds go to Amazon and then part of the proceeds go to us. So uh, I'm just really excited about it. I've, I've got great hopefulness for that deal. And uh, I feel like I would like for people to visit this website and find the book and then, and then purchase it. That's really what, what all this talk is about.
0: Well, you know um, what we're gonna do for you and Amazon here, Ted? When we finish up this this podcast, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna link that to the show notes so that way wow. people can help support Amazon and you all at the same time.
2: See, this is the kind of synergy I'm talking about, Zach. I mean you get three creative guys in the room and, and you know, these kind of ideas just fly out of us. So I I can I can tell Nathan is a kindred spirit. And the first fifty
1: uh, I, people to purchase, you get a, a photograph of an employee at Amazon to put on your fridge. And that's somebody that <laughs> that's you right. are keeping in lattes. and He's holding a soccer ball, looking kind of forlorn.
2: You, know? <laughs> you can write him a letter from time to time if
0: he'll move. He's yeah. holding his Starbucks cup upside down, empty with a, with a crestfallen face.
1: Oh, exactly. When his birthday rolls around, they send you like a, like a three-pound package containing basically just a birthday card that you then sign and send back to them. <laughs> And then they send it on, and you're like, hey, "Did we just spend twenty three dollars to send a kid a birthday card?" Because that seems stupid. Not talking about any particular group, certainly not one that we talk about in your book, then, or that you talk about. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, well, we have another topic here, right? Uh, it's a, a, a hot button issue. Ooh. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is uh, this is one. I think it was Sunday night. Zach, you had sent me uh, a link that had, uh, this person's perspective on these, uh, quote unquote Christians who have been turning their back on their faith. Um, and then it was at that time you were like, Hey, what if we get Zach or we get Ted on to talk about, uh, his book and, uh, which we, we still need to talk about at some point, I think. Um, and then, uh, I thought it was a great idea, so you sent Ted the link. Uh, now, Ted, I'm not sure. Did you get the link uh, sooner I than I, got, I got, got your book, or was it around the same time?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Zach. Zach spent the whole day doing show prep, so he was producing the show uh, during the day. So I, I, I got the, um, yeah, I got the link. I perused the article. I, I, I need to just come clean here, you guys. I want to be a hundred percent transparent with your audience and say that I didn't read every word of it. Oh my uh, gosh. But I read some of the words. Some of the words
0: were <laughs> read.
1: The yeah. article is uh, by R. Scott Clark, by the way. And he's, he's a classic curmudgeon who's been kind of swiping at the young Restless, Re- Restless Reform movement uh, since its inception. So this is not anything new. Dude, has R. Scott really ever bad.
2: written – has he ever written
1: anything mean about me? I guarantee it, and I'm going to Google. Oh, right I love now. it. We have that technology in the studio. Yeah, do it. Find some mean R. Scott stuff about me. I'm sure he probably referred to uh, you know, like why we're why we're not emergent as like the the wet behind the ears young pastor and that meathead or something. I don't know. Let's see here. Oh, I love it.
0: Now, All while right. while he's doing that, Ted, I have what did you what were your uh, thoughts about the words that you did read in the article?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's so. It's it's funny. Nathan, like, and Zach and I, I think, have talked about this maybe off the air, but everybody almost as soon as the Josh Harris like Instagram post went up, everybody was writing their think pieces about it, including me. Mm-hmm. And the the difference being, I didn't publish mine because I I wrote it, and then I kind of hated myself immediately afterward. But um, but yeah, I mean this this one tonally, so our Scott's piece, I think, was probably meaner than the ones I read. So mm-hmm. um, I read Carl Truman's. I like Carl Truman, although like I, I've since learned that like not everybody likes Carl Truman. But uh, I thought his was good. I thought the thing that the guy from Skillet wrote was actually good. I thought it was really honest and mm-hmm. um, seemed pretty heartfelt. But yeah, this, this R. Scott thing, man, there was, a, there was definitely an edginess to it. There was a sense of, like, screw these guys-ness to it. Yeah.
1: Well, and the goal of this one was not to assess it or yeah. try and make sense of it, like the the skillet one, um, which I th- I thought was great. A- yeah, and same. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of that that music, and I, I was just really heart- heartened to see somebody who was quote unquote cool, who yeah. was saying, I-, I loved the like question, like, why aren't you embarrassed? The, I mean, how is it that you're like flip flopping 180 degrees and then like? Hitting the gas, but uh, this one—I mean—the article is called "Time to Kiss New Calvinism Goodbye." Yeah, and the mm-hmm. goal of it is to make you look at Joshua Harris as well as Drisky, um, James uh, McDonald, Mahaney, and go, "Oh, well, this whole thing was just bad a news. Joke. Let's yeah. kick it to the curb because it was—it was basically kind of the same source of Drisky was saying about you know the you know a bunch of young kids with daddy wounds, um, mm-hmm. and and no fathers, all brothers." And then the, he, like, tries to use the Joshua Harris thing to say it's time to, once and for all, cut and run from what's left of that movement or what has evolved out of that movement. And, man, I thought it was a mess. That's why I shared it. Yeah. I, thought, yeah. I thought it was just a, a lot of missed steps. And, by the way, um, the only thing I can find here is on our Scott Clark's, Clark's blog called – are you ready for this, you guys? Yeah. The Heidel blog.
2: Oh, All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Dude, he, he that has talks, early two
1: thousands new to the blogosphere written all over it. It's about I the same time it's September one, two thousand eight, the same time that KDY rebranded as Young Restless and no, De Young Restless and Reform. Ooh, um, solid. He, he mentions a sermon series he's preaching and that he's using your book as a reference or a, a resource. So n- nothing nothing bad about Big T. Ah. Um, because you were in a reformed church. You yeah. know? Yeah. And and his whole thing has been throughout he didn't like that there was this new Calvinist movement where you could be Baptist, you could be free evangelical or whatever. You don't hold to all this. You don't sprinkle babies. You don't hold to every aspect of it, but you sort of resonate with the Calvinism, the the big sovereignty of God, the view of uh, soteriology of salvation. And he hated that. He's hated it all along. And now he's coming in with, you see, I've been saying this the whole time. And it's like, well, but you haven't been saying, just wait, all these guys are going to fall from grace. You never said that. You know, right, but now he's pretending right. that that's been his thing all along. By the way, uh, just for fun, because he references Joshua Harris's lack of theological education, yeah, um, and that's something I kind of want to get into a little bit. But he sure, sure. he mentions. So I, I said, does, I wonder if he hasn't had any theological <laughs> education. I go to Amazon, I click his bio. All the bio says is, in 2016, Joshua Harris disavowed the book I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and it's no longer published. So I click on "I Kissed Data Goodbye." All this recent stuff has given us a huge bump, like a supply and demand. Oh, absolutely,
2: graphic.
1: dude! His book is up above your newly released essay book, which really pissed me off. Yeah, uh, especially since the author is maybe. What you should do is disavow the the essay book.
2: Well, dude, and, maybe um, maybe I, I, the I the should. Problem. Maybe I need to write a public statement. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going no, no, here's what we need to do. Breaking guys. news, people!
0: To, Ted Kluck is about to.
2: <laughs> I'm disavowing my essay book and. I'm gonna do it in a series of like heavily curated hipster photographed Instagram posts. So I'm gonna get Instagram <laughs> for the sole purpose of like I'm gonna stare pensively out into a lake with my traps looking huge, by the way. Like <laughs> like I'm gonna off camera, I'm gonna do a set of shrugs with like some 80s. And then I'm gonna immediately have the hipster like step behind me, take the shot of me pensively staring into a lake. You mean seven five
1: shots of which you'll pick the most pensive looking one. The yeah. most
2: <laughs> pensive, the most arty. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna write about how I'm disavowing my essay book, and then I'm gonna say, hey, you know what though, please respect my privacy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a journey that I just need to be on. Like respect my privacy by like racing to Amazon to buy my book to see what all the fuss is about. But then but then, definitely respect my privacy.
1: So. so Ted, on the happy rant, made reference to how he had written his own piece about Joshua Harris and then buried it mm-hmm. because I think he just wrote it for the exercise, right? Ted, just kind of yeah, and then, I just wrote it to like get some thoughts
2: out of my head about it, I guess. Because you know, all all haha side, like sad, yeah. Someone, yeah, someone leaving the faith is mm-hmm. unspeakably sad, and I, I think depending on how old you are, like this is this is one of those that, that it was just one of those big names that those of us who were young and in. in reformed them or evangelicalism or whatever you want to call it like back in the day like that was just a name that we heard all the time and in fact like back when i was hanging out with kdy a whole bunch he and josh harris and i think i don't know a couple other the the, the big young names in that movement maybe colin hansen greg gilbert those guys would take like a road trip together every year and and i don't know confab and talk about the future and all that stuff so kind of by yeah. proxy K, kdy was you know he was rubbing shoulders with with Harris, and so I felt like I kind of knew of him through that. But uh, but yeah, sad stuff. I just kind of wanted to write a few thoughts on it and and not publish it. But
1: uh, but but I got you to send it to me. Yeah, of course, and mate, my, of course. And my favorite line—can I say one line from it? It's very. You can say as many lines as you want from it. It said, "Will will he have? Uh, I, I'm going to paraphrase it first. Will he yeah. have like uh, apologized and and flip flopped enough to appease? You know, will he be liberal enough to appease the people who were tearing him apart on Twitter for his his, his book the past ten years? Yeah, o- only Twitter will tell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: that was brilliant. Well, dude, right. So the the whole idea with these things is, you know, so this guy he's got a really weird career arc in the sense that he basically spent from age nineteen to age twenty nine being roundly like applauded, patted on the back by evangelicals. He was doing like, main stage conference gigs. I mean, he was the guy for, like, a decade. Mm. And then Twitter happened, and he spent the last decade just getting roasted, you know? It's just, like, yeah. getting eviscerated by all these people on Twitter. So the idea that he comes out, he disavows the faith, disavows his marriage, whatever, says, I don't believe any of this stuff in the book, you know, it's, a, it's such a moving target that he's shooting at in the sense that, like, he nails himself to the cross, and at what point will will people be, like assuaged enough to to take him down and let him know that he can continue living you know that's the that's kind of the environment that we're in and it's sad to me i mean it's sad to me that he's embarked on this this journey of trying to like appease online harpies with his life because i think there's there's going to be no satisfaction in that
1: but what's weird is for someone else to turn around and take that sad situation and use it to attack something that hasn't existed in, like, <laughs> eight or nine, right? Like, when yeah. we wrote Younger, wrestlers or Reformed, her in 2010, in the preface, we, we acknowledge. We're like, yeah. uh, by way of preface, we know, a disclaimer, that this is kind of on the way out already sure. in 2010. Right. Nine years later, there's this guy who's like, well, now <laughs> it's time to walk away from Younger, What Wait, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. That's like somebody attacking the Emergent Church right now. And, exactly. And, uh, emergent. maybe Billy I Scott should Clark. do.
2: Maybe I need to write a sequel to why we're not Emergent. Why emerging. I'm maybe, still not Emergent. <laughs> maybe that would sell. Dude, so serious question here, baby, and, and maybe you can both shed light on this. Like, Who reads R. Scott Clark? Like, does this guy have an audience, or oh, yeah. like who, yeah. like who's his audience?
1: This is going to be like uh, – it was on Abounding Grace Radio. This is okay. like old guard reformed people. Gotcha. So even when it was at – when YRR was at its, like, loudest, biggest, strongest, and, and you'd get, like, R.C. Sproul and MacArthur and some of these old guard guys in there uh, and Piper, although R. Scott Clark tries to sandwich Piper in in the last paragraph right? Yeah. between this, – this pissed me off. So he mentions all these people who've been semi-kind uh, of disgraced, and in the midst of it, he says Mahaney, Driscoll, Piper, McDonald, Harris, et al., yeah. And I'm like, where, how the heck did Piper get in there? Exactly. But, uh, what did John Piper do to get disgraced? This not is news a to thing. Me. It's yeah. just ridiculous. But uh, like he he would be part of the um, D.A. Carson kind of – Even even Carson was like, I'll engage with this. It's an opportunity sure. to share this. But there were the people who were just like – I think it's a hipster thing. I was yeah. into this Calvinism before all these people thought it was cool, and mm. now they're cool. How come I'm not cool? how come my books aren't you know trending uh, even though my theology is you know in a sense becoming more you know mainstream to a certain group of people and mm. and he always hated that people and, and he hated it was it wasn't just that it was it was principle he hated yeah. that people could take part of it and not all of it because sure. in his mind calvinism is this or reformed theology is this whole system you mm. got to take the the that kind of covenant theology you got to take all the institutes or none of it. you got to take the Westminster standards or none of it. If you're not going to you know, sign on to the Belgic mm-hmm. Confession, do not you know, get a, a Calvinist tattoo or wear a hipster tulip t-shirt or something or grow a long yeah, beard. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that to me is just like – I don't know. I, I get the all or nothing. That's my weakness too. Sure. But come on. Let's, let's go yeah. a little far.
2: Yeah. Hey, I have, a, I have a question for you guys, another question on our Scott Clark. Do we know what the R stands for in his name? Is it like Reggie or like Rick? <laughs> why, why doesn't he use
1: it? Is there some- Yeah, Rick Scott Clark? I think that's kind of money. <laughs> Rick Ron? Clark. Ron Scott Clark. Actually, it's Rick Flair Scott Clark. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The nature boy. That's incredible. I have no idea, man. That's, that's a. If anyone knows, tweet it to us. Um, it's got to be something embarrassing. Reggie's yep. not embarrassing. Dude, Reggie's um, awesome. I wish my name was Reggie. It's got to be like – maybe it's Ricky. Yeah, Ricky. Ricky Scott-Clark. Dude, Ricky Scott-Clark, though, that's like – dude,
2: what, what do you do? What's your vocation if your name is Ricky Scott-Clark? I feel like it's something awesome. I feel like you're like a motorcycle racer.
1: I almost know? said – dude, I almost said that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say motocross, like jumping yeah. in like big piles of dirt on a, on a on like a – Dude, he's what? hopping the big
2: piles of dirt. He's got a little like merch deal. He's got a sponsorship with Red Bull – yeah, it's a good life, man. If you're Ricky Scott Clark, that's a really good life. I would take it
1: now, but but part of his whole deal here. And, 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 did you read the whole article, Nathan, or did you uh, Ted Cluck this thing?
0: No, I actually <laughs> I read it. I read the whole thing.
1: <laughs> well, well done, Nathan. Good job. Well, you know what? I,
0: I, I, it, would it would it help if I said I felt like some of it was a waste of my life? But I, I listen, for the podcast, I had to do it for the podcast, man.
1: There it's you a, go. It's a good moment for me. He's going to let me have it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> No, the uh, the main beef he had under the, the one heading was that it, that McDonald, like, oh, no, Mahaney, rather, uh, discovered him and then, like, groomed him to, to become a pastor. Uh-huh. And his beef was like, that shouldn't happen. And I'm yeah. like, what? I kind of <laughs> remember that happening in the Bible. Dude, that's right. I feel like that happens all the time in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> He's, and and, and he, he acts like you know the, the guy was like oh are you are 19 and you wrote a book okay well now you're the pastor of a 7000 person me- mega church uh, no no it's not the way it happened um and so th- that was weird uh and the whole thing about like the marks of the church uh you know a true church a good and that's the whole thing so so remember how Turk would talk about people who were obsessed with being truly reformed yeah, oh yeah R. Scott Clark is one of the guys Turk was talking about And he would have probably told you you know, by name That that's who he was talking about um, The people who are like you, Your Mahanys and even your De Youngs aren't, aren't reformed enough The true reformed are, are these people And so he goes through the marks of the church uh, Preaching the gospel purely And ministering baptism and the Lord's Supper purely And uh, church discipline For sheep, poor, straying
2: Are you guys still there?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm here, are you there? Okay. Oh wait, can Ted hear us?
2: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, good. Yeah, I just lost you for a little bit. Did you guys you sound amazing? Thank you so much. You sound good too. Thanks. You know what I'm doing? It's it's maybe because I was like trying to do some tech stuff here in my studio. I was trying to get a visual on R. Scott Clark. I want to see what this guy looks like. Mm. What it, it, describe him to me before you find him? Uh, before I find him, uh, frowny, like he's got a <laughs> like he's got a little RBF, <laughs> like male RBF, resting um, back his face. Yeah, resting Baptist face, a little frowny. A lot oh of- my
1: gosh, you're so <laughs> wrong, though. I am wrong. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> Are you look at the striped tie picture. I'm um, yeah. I'm looking at the striped tie. He looks. He looks nice. That's a cake eating grin on that guy, though.
2: Yeah, That is a cake eating grin. He looks. <laughs> he looks happy with himself. Man. That's Ellis, if I've
1: ever seen Ellis. That's, that's yeah. theological El- Ellis. He's theological Ellis. Hans Booby. I'm your wow. right guy. Yeah, I would um, open a Coke for that guy and pour a little into a glass and set the can down on the desk next to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What the world. So, okay, so he's – this guy's the right age to have been in the Young Wrestlers Reform Movement, but either he wasn't included or he held back. Like, I'm not getting in that. I'm too good for it. Interesting, interesting.
2: Yeah, this is fascinating. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all in on R. Scott Clark stuff now, man, just curiosity-wise.
1: And I know I've heard him on the uh, White Horse Inn a lot, and he's – I mean at the end of the day, he's a good guy, and the stuff he says in this is fairly true. Uh, it's just that he get, paints with too wide of a brush. Sure. Um, he describes the shortcomings of evangelicalism in general and mm-hmm. then says, see, that's why we have to walk away from any vestige of the new Calvinism. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys. I'm totally not ready to do that. There's I, – I'm not – Yes, yeah. I, I'm bummed about certain people who've walked away or fallen away, mm-hmm. but I'm not ready to say that's not kind of my quote unquote tribe or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm still with you. I, I mean, I think if there are any indictments to be made, like, I, I think this whole thing is maybe an indictment of like young celebrity, you know, the idea that it's not great to throw a bunch of fame and money mm-hmm. and like main stage gigs at, at some guy who's, you know, barely out of college. Which the Skillet um,
1: thing said so much better. And it nice did. Thing.
2: It said it so much better, and it said it mm-hmm. in a nice way. And you know, he the skilled guy was from the heart. He was really, um, I, I think, like self self-indicting a little bit on that too. Like he, the skilled guy knows he makes his his bones in the in the fame industry, so you know, no, nobody can throw the first stone there. But but yeah, I mean, I think in retrospect, the thing that you the thing that you want to throw out here is not you know uh, the the young reform movement as it were. It's it's more like. I think take it as a cautionary note on on fame and the kind of accolades that that you can get in the business and and uh yeah be sad about somebody losing their faith and mm-hmm. I think it was so like not uh, not a good look about the R. Scott, R Scott Clark piece was the glee you know just the kind of like mm-hmm. I'm rubbing my hands together and I'm I'm doing the I told you so thing and man shouldn't we be bummed like shouldn't we be just legit bummed when somebody like leaves the fold you know this is this is not a happy marriage everything yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. absolutely even though harris is harris is insisting loudly like i'm happy i'm happy i'm happy but you know he's not you know i mean anytime a marriage falls apart it's a nightmare for that makes it sadder doesn't it the like facade on top of it absolutely absolutely
1: yeah and and you know the the other thing with it is i think that the piece was just using him to push the same old agenda, right? And that's what happens with the, like watch blogs and stuff, right? Like yeah. whether it's like, like w- if you're pulpit and pen and Rachel held Evans dies and you're like, all right, well, there's the one thing I write about, which is that uh, liberalism of the church is bad. So how do I use this event to push that mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than saying, Holy cow, something super sad just happened and I should be grieving with people and praying for them. Sure. A- and in the same way, like, okay, so this guy's whole thing falls apart. How do I use that to push this one thing, which is – this isn't as crass as, as the pulp and pan thing, but it's right, kind right. of – and I want to read you guys a little comment uh, near the beginning. Somebody wrote, my wife and I read the article and came away feeling like we are not part of the real church since our denomination only goes back a couple hundred years. Hmm. R. Scott Clark writes, John, hear me out. You read my article correctly. I'm sorry. You read my argument correctly. I am calling into question the validity of the new Calvinist congregations. Huh. Wow. Well, there, there you go.
2: I mean, um, I don't know, Zach and, and Nathan. What's your what's your vocation? I'm I'm sorry, I don't know more about you. I feel like I should have done some show prep on you before we we hopped on here. Are no, you a? No, Sent a dossier.
0: <laughs> I know, right? We 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 messed up on that one, Zach. Um, I've had a bunch of different uh, vocations. Currently, mm-hmm. I am an administrator at a private school.
2: Got gotcha. you. Okay, um, but you've you've been kind of like moving around in these circles for. Uh, yeah. for a while too. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what's your, what's your read on all this?
0: Yeah. I, you know, to me, I, I think one of the biggest failings is when the church fails to be the church. And I think this is, this is one of those times, you know, people, uh, pastors these watchdog people these watchdog pastors and and even if they're not pastors commentators love to jump in on the well we're going to you know we're going to find the wolf in sheep's clothing and you know expose mm. them and the thing is but they've already been exposed here they are so shouldn't mm. we now be at the point where we understand that the people who are part of this congregation uh, they're going through some major stuff right now. I mean, and these are, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who are dealing with a pastor who has turned his back on the faith. I mean, to me, this is the time to weep with those who are weeping, you know, yeah. to come up beside them and be like, hey, you know, what can we do to, to support you and help you? Not, hey, let's tear this guy down that you've looked up to for so many years even further. Yeah,
2: um, for sure. Yeah, people are already grieving over that. You know, they've already lost, you know, if, if they were devotees of Joshua Harris, they've already lost their hero and, you know, they're already like confused enough. But, um, Zach, don't you think the whole like YRR thing still, though, has been a net positive? I mean, you and I have done, yeah. we've done our fair share of like crapping on it and, and laughing about it over the years, which I think is well founded. Like, you, you should be able to laugh at it. There were a lot of funny things that were a part of it. But I, I think at the end of the day, we would both say that it's been a net positive.
1: Dude, absolutely. And I think the way to, to just kind of put your finger up in the air and say, is, are these winds still blowing in a good direction, is go to the Gospel Coalition website, which I am doing right now, and you know how they always have five articles on the side? Yeah. We got one by Jackie Hill Perry, tremendous communicator, mm. absolutely love her stuff. Yeah. Uh, something from Desiring God, uh, we got Brett McCracken, I mean, who doesn't appreciate that guy's kind of wit and stuff? And, and and kind of uh, insider view on a lot of the the uh, c- culture, culture war stuff, stuff and how yeah, silly it yeah. is. And then Tom Rainer, who I could take or leave, but like I don't know. Then there's this this sing thing with the uh, the Gettys, um, and we've got a picture of John Piper on that. I mean, it's like it's still intact, and it's still some something that people are discovering out of very shallow, like Osteen leaning churches. Yeah, You know, like the the mega church in my town I went to because it had cool rock and roll music and a lot of programs for kids, found that it was very empty, and someone turns them on to this stuff. Now, if somebody went the R. Scott Clark route and said, here, read the Belgic Confession, they would say, this is boring. I'll keep going to my church. But if someone says, why don't you go to this, um, you know, uh, this this Gospel Coalition Women event and hear, you know, some of these amazing – hear Kathy Keller speak or, you know, Jen Wilkin – or yeah. or go you know why don't you come with me to um, the doctrine and devotion conference or whatever yeah. and 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 see Joe Thorne and all these guys and go oh hold on there are people who aren't like blue blazer guys yeah. and, and that's another thing why is it okay for there to be this subculture of sort of like semi affluent khaki and blue blazer and i describe my wardrobe half the time when i say that not sure, affluent sure. but you know why why is it okay to have that sort of rapper Around Christianity, but the moment you have something that's not that dorky, all of a sudden we cry foul yeah, that's no, I mean, fascinating one's okay, and one's not why one's worldly uh sorry, but if you go to washington d c they look you, you you wouldn't know that you weren't at the middle of the s b c national Convention, yeah. so that's worldly i mean it's yeah. all worldly if you're talking about what clothes we wear unless we're wearing Bible robes or something, so why are some of these things considered quote unquote too worldly? Uh, And that's going to compromise the gospel part of it. And some of them, just because they're a little dorkier, aren't. Uh, I don't know. To me, I I called like shenanigans on that when I was about 12, and I couldn't understand why people didn't understand that.
2: Baby, you mentioned Bible robes, and it it brings a question to mind. Like in all of your religious tchotchke shopping in in the Rus in Israel, (laughs) did you have a chance to acquire some Bible robes? (laughs) Ted, you know exactly what I bought in Israel because you and Johnny Shackle
1: sat back and, and cataloged it for us. We were betting, we were gambling on it, like the total amount that you would spend. Yeah, I don't know if you heard any of these things, but uh, Johnny Shacks, uh, Jay Caston, and Ted, each of them had kind of picked somebody. Ted had me. Johnny Shacks had this kid we called Chest Cam because he walked yep. around the Holy Land with a chest cam, like a like a GoPro on a harness <laughs> on his chest. <laughs> and uh, they were each trying to, like, spur us on so that Buying one or the Chosky. other of us would buy more tchotchkes <laughs> the Holy Land. I think hey, he went home with more. He did not have a shofar, but that dude, he
2: was shelling yeah, out the shekels, man. He had so much stuff. He spent so much money on that trip. And I, I can't believe he didn't go home with a shofar. I, I bet he did. I mean, how do you go to Israel and not get a shofar? You, you know, didn't get one. Yeah, I mean, you I knew, just, and you pointed out where they were cheap. Dude, I'm not a shofar guy, but, like, that's just not my thing. But I, I feel like, you know, for a guy like Chess Cam to, to come home without a shof, that's – he'd, uh, he'd,
1: like, be blowing that shofar for Trump. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Me Trump. Yeah. Now, you got what Nathan would get, which is daggers. Yeah. Wow. Dude, I
2: love my dags, man. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, I got souvenir dags, man. and nice. And I gave uh, I gave a couple to my kids because I'm a bad father. You know. <laughs> Get, get knives and give them to your small children. It's always a great idea, parenting wise. But I've actually got one like displayed in my office at, at Union. So, um, which is probably like not legal on a college campus. You probably can't have a, a, a dagger from the roost there. But uh, I tell people it's a letter opener. If I get any grief for it, and, and I think that's ah. that's how I am able to sneak it in there. But but yeah, I love my daggers. I got daggers and a tattoo. Did Nathan? Nice. Did uh, Zach tell you that we got? We got tatted up in the roost as well.
0: Yes, I did hear that. That was, that was amazing. By the uh, Was it the oldest tattoo parlor yeah. in, the, in the area?
2: In yeah, the world. Wasim, in to, the world. Yeah, Wasim, our, our guy, our, our personal tattoo artist.
1: Since 1300, this family's been doing this, continuously operating. It's pretty wild. Nice. Do you think our Scott Clark has any tats? And if no. So, no, that's the kind of thing I feel. And I, 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 I feel bad about doing this because it's unfounded. Yeah. But having looked at that picture and having read one book by him, cover to cover, and a mm. number of articles and heard interviews with him, I get the impression, and mm. this may be wrong, but I get the impression that he kind of was like, I'm not going to do all this stuff. I'm not yeah. going yeah. to ride a motorcycle. I'm not going to get tattoos. I'm not going to wear those you know, T-shirts and ripped jeans. I am going to be a good Bible kid. And then somebody was like – Hey, you can follow Jesus and do all that stuff. And he went, Hey! Yeah. And although he does have, like, the cool shaved head and, and, uh.
2: Dude, the you know, cool shaved the head makes me think he, he might have gotten a little barbed wire around the bicep in the 90s. Yeah, maybe. You know, if you- if you peel off that like that blue Oxford, you might you might find some barbed wire underneath there. Here's dude, I bet saying. our boy is jacked. Like un- yeah, he's unexpectedly jacked. jacked. Yeah. Dude, these angry like pastoral guys, they they lift a lot of weights, man. Like they work out all their, their angst in the weight room. That's that's what I've found. <laughs> <laughs> who, who does that? Well, dude, like all the all the like leadership pastor slime balls now, like those guys lift a whole bunch. Oh, yeah, like I Furtick think, is like basically the incredible Hulk now. <laughs> dude, he's the incredible Hulk, like they're all slimy and oily and, like, super jacked on stage, and they're they're all wearing, like, ba- Baby <laughs> Gap t-shirts to preach in. You know? <laughs> Very
1: weird deal. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Question, do you think it would help my church? And, I, and by that, I mean even, like, attendance week to week. If yeah. I, you know, became CrossFit Zach. Dude, I don't because I, like – to me, and, and I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna blow your show far for a minute here, <laughs> um, and, and this is 100% sincere, but it's it's founded on like a decade plus worth of observation of you as a pastor. Like, I think what makes you really special as a pastor is the like the amount of time you spend investing in your people. Like, you're dude, you're hosting Bible studies, and you're coming up with new ideas, and you're like going to see sick people all the time in the hospital, and doing like w- what I would consider real pastoral work as opposed to like. Lifting weights thirty hours a week, which I do not consider to be real pastoral work. Like I, I feel like I've really plumbed the scriptures on this, and like nowhere in the New Testament do I find you know bench pressing being like a, a core value of the of the early church. So um, no, I don't. I mean, I I think I think you're doing it right in the sense that like for for pastors like you, it's less about persona and less about like. You know slickness and looking like a male model, and and more about just like doing the job well. And uh, I think at the end of the day, that's that's where it's at.
1: Wise words from Ted Kluck, author of A Hard Thing on a Beautiful Day and other essays. Ooh, I like it. Nice. This reminds me of a
2: of another book podcast I did. It's oh actually. yeah, you've done a, you've done a few others. What have you done? Uh, I did one called Between the Covers. Oh, so, I've heard of yeah. Them. Is that the, the uh, Christian
1: Sex Advice podcast with Dr. Kevin Lehman?
2: No, no, this is a different one. This is for book oh.
1: enthusiasts. So if oh, you're like a, between book covers?
2: Yeah, if you're a bibliophile, if you're a book enthusiast, then, then you're probably a subscriber to Between the Covers. And uh, just had a really vibrant interview, really, really thought-provoking, um, a, lot of, a lot of fun, Zach. You know, I feel like we let our hair down. We just had a lot of fun on that. on that. Program. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Full disclosure, I host that podcast. <laughs> exactly. So there's only been one episode. Full it disclosure, it doesn't actually long.
2: exist. Only in the first, <laughs> only in the first ten minutes of a gut check podcast does between the covers exist. Ted, <laughs> let me tell you
1: something about Nathan Bell. Tell me, tell me a lot of things about Nathan Bell. Nathan Bell called me about uh, hosting this when when the uh, the guy who took over for Greg Dutcher, who, mm. who you would love. Greg Dutcher is uh, one of the funniest guys in the world. Mm. Uh, he he stepped down because of uh, pastoral schedule and stuff. Another guy, Steve, stepped in. He couldn't do it anymore, so I I came in third choice here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was like, ah, yeah, gut check. I love gut check. It's been fun when you've been on the program. How about you and I do this? I was like, yeah, this, you're singing my song. It sounds great. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe a year ago. I mean, we've been doing this a while now, Nathan. What have we been doing this, about a year and a half?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Nice. I said, uh, now, did you hear my, my, my conversation with Ted a couple weeks ago? And he goes, oh, no. I don't. I don't so much listen to it anymore. Then I Whoa. find out uh, maybe a month and a half ago he's still not listening to the Gut Check podcast or any podcast, but he finds time for a do- a Dungeons and Dragons themed podcast.
2: <laughs> I'm but sorry, I was laughing at something else. Yeah, there's something,
1: <laughs> something outside the window was was funny. He doesn't know that the randomizer now picks Jonathan Merritt tweets. Oh no, he doesn't know about Between the Covers with Ted and Zach. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs>
2: Man, I tell you, i I got to gotta come clean here. I'm a little disappointed, and could, can I be even more candid with Nathan Zach Absolutely. in saying that um, I you know I know, I know public persona-wise, I come across as very confident, you know, very in, in, in control of my faculties and my, my emotions. <laughs> but um, I, I got to tell you, when Zach started doing another podcast with another man, I was) uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I felt a little threatened. Now's when you I, fight, fight you guys. <laughs> yeah, I felt a little threatened. I felt like is is this new guy going to come between like our our friendship and our business, our work friend status? And, and uh, you know, was, there was just a, there were a lot of emotions flying around at that time. And you know, I've since I've calmed down. You know, I've I've gotten control again. A lot of therapy, but um, it, it's, Zach, I feel like it's healing in a sense for me to talk to Nathan and just. Hear his voice, um, hear where his heart is, and uh, I feel much more comfortable with the arrangement as a result.
1: And uh, one time I was on Ted's other podcast, the Happy Rent podcast, portraying a fictional character, Chaz Marriott, and over the objections of Ted himself who thought it wouldn't be funny. But Mm -hmm. that happened too, so now we've been on each other's podcasts. Yep, We can put that all behind us and kind of hold hands and drive off the cliff – that doesn't work. Um, what's it? What's that? It just said, let the healing begin. You let, know? Why don't you and I together chuck well. the symbolic metaphorical desk set That's right. in, down into the moat that seems to surround the uh, New England boys' school, the Tony the boys' desk school. Set, yeah, the desk set of my jealousy vis-a-vis Nathan <laughs> is, is getting thrown
2: into the metaphorical river. Zach, what's more? I'm going to double down on this, on this movie situation. I think we all three need to levitate together. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: we need to fly over some piles of discarded tires and some like industrial waste as a as a
1: group. Now Nathan, are you are you down enough with the Brett McCracken vibe to have seen First Reformed with uh, one Ethan Hawke? Uh, no. no. Worse than Dead Poet Society by a good sight. Wouldn't you say
2: Ted? I would say that yeah, 100%, but worse Worse in the same ways. Like if you take everything that's bad about Dead Poet Society and just multiply it times like twenty, that's uh, that's first
1: reform. <laughs> it's bad enough that you should watch it just to experience it and laugh at it. It's Absolutely. so <laughs> bad. Absolutely. Here's what
0: we need to do sometime. We, we need to get the three of us in on like a face a Facebook, you know, FaceTime thing, and we'll we'll do a commentary on it while we're all three watching it together. How does that sound?
1: Dude, I love it. I would do He's, that. That sort of thing's doable. Uh, we, we often hang out with the clucks at my household via Skype while watching movies together.
2: And sometimes we record it. We make it into radio, which which is a thing you wouldn't know, Nathan. And
0: uh,
2: <laughs> if that sounded a little passive aggressive, you know, forgive me. But I don't know. Maybe if you listen to the program once in a while, you would know that we do that.
0: Well, I'm not that out of it, Ted. I, I did listen to it long enough to know that you guys did that. And yeah, I to, I'm getting catty. <laughs> I got to say, did you that know that still? Ted and
1: I also uh, have teamed up with uh, Missionalware for a variety of products? What's that? I said, did you know that Ted and I have also teamed up with Missionalware on a variety of products I, for our other podcast?
0: I don't think mm-hmm. I knew that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's really quite something. If you go to slash gut check, you'll see a <laughs> the, <see> <laughs> the, the array of products.
2: <laughs> and, did you notice, Ted? Yeah, there's two now? We we join you in having never been paid by wear. So <laughs> that's a thing that all of us share in common. And it's Zach, it's the tie
1: that binds, really. You the know? tie that binds <laughs> blessed being missional. Wait a minute, that can't be the the uh the same situation with uh Happy Rant. No, you know what? Piper manages all our money. So like Piper's I, savvy.
2: Piper is so business savvy, like I assume that I just assume that we've been paid by Missional Wear, but I really don't know, man. I haven't, I haven't looked at the books, you know. I haven't like taken taken an afternoon in my office and just like ordered in some Chinese and gone through the, the, the ledgers with a fine like tooth green eye shade on. Yeah, put on the old green eye shade, count out the stacks of hundreds, you know, that we got. I think that could loaded. be a next but,
0: segment on your live in Louisville thing.
2: Yeah, one where we just do the accounting together. Yeah, that'd be. I,
0: I just be learned electric. that
1: you guys had John Piper at your last event. Yeah, dude. Did I never tell you that? No. And, and did you talk to him? Yeah, dude. So the, the way it went down was,
2: um, you know, we had sold all the tickets. We were standing around like 10 minutes before the event. And Pipe was checking all the ticket sales and stuff on his phone. And he was like, he was like weird. I just got three new ticket orders from my dad. <laughs> um, That's so cool. Yeah, so John showed up, man. And, um, and I, I did this thing where, um, like, my dad was in the audience, too. And my dad's not famous. So, uh, so as soon as we got on stage, like, there was this huge buzz in the audience because all the, all the people there were like huge John Piper fanboys. But, uh, so I got on the mic and I was like, uh, I just want to you know, be upfront, be candid. I know that one of us has a famous dad and anytime this person's in the room, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of buzz. I just want to acknowledge it. Um, and then I introduced my dad who was a oh, really that's good, awesome. Yeah. So my, my, dad who's not famous, like gave a wave. He was a really good sport about the whole thing. And that, that was the end of it. That was the last thing we said about John Piper being there. But, uh, <laughs> no. but yeah, he was there. It, it made Barnabas a little, a little off his game. He was, he was a little like more reticent than he would be normally. And, uh, that was a lot of fun too. So, so yeah, John and <laughs> John and Noel were there, man. They were in the room. Who was the third ticket? Ah, uh, some random friend of John and Noel's which I I feel is a really disrespectful way to describe this this person's personhood you know I'm sure they've had a, a lovely life and career in and, in and of themselves but in this it's, case but it's a
1: person were, who was probably very disappointed by, yeah. by not understanding anything that was being Absolutely. referenced or joked about
2: in this case they were just third wheeling
1: with John and Noel which is uh, you know
2: a position that a lot of reformed people would like to be in probably probably no. also secretly our Scott Clark yeah, exactly. It, it might have been Ricky Scott, man. <laughs> there in his like fox racing jacket, sipping a Red Bull, you know, <laughs> leaning People up against acid cigar. Yeah, oh. flinty eyed, leaning up against a wall, you know.
0: <laughs> now, now is Piper's dad an an ardent listener to you all? You know,
2: that's a great question, Nathan. And and I think the answer is no. By by no means is he an ardent listener. <laughs> he he just seemed kind of bemused, like um he he laughed a couple of times because i kind of kept my eye on him you know i wanted to see if any of the any of the humor was landing but uh uh, no i i wouldn't say he's a he's a diehard listener but um you know there to support his kid man i like it nice i uh, love that guy oh my
1: gosh he's a good dude like the the whole not to bring it back to the article for yeah but but by way of kind of summary if if you're gonna lump John Piper in with this so called cult of personality driven young reform movement, mm-hmm. because really, when you read the original book Young wrestlers Reformed by Colin Hansen, who also is still a super stand up guy yeah, um, good dude really, he really mentions good dude. uh that that he was sitting outside i think t g c or one of these things uh, t four g i mean and uh there there are people with iPods that are just sitting around listening to John Piper sermons like he 's at the core of it in a way yeah. and He's he's still giving everything away for free. He's mm-hmm. still so faithful. He's still so kind and not full of himself in any way. And wh- where did we go wrong then? Every yeah. movement has bad apples, mm-hmm. but yeah. not every movement has a John Piper. As, exactly. That's kind of part of it. So, yeah, what yeah. are we throwing
2: out? Dude, amen, uh, 100%. That actually, that reminds me of something related that I wanted to ask you, Zach. And, and Nathan, you can weigh in, in the, on, on this one too. So, one of my favorite older reform guys is Timmy K. Tim Keller, yeah. and like if I'm you know lately if I'm going to listen to a sermon podcast, it's usually Timmy K. And he's been he's been putting a bunch of stuff out there like almost daily like free free sermons that he's preached and and I love listening to him. Except that um, I, I don't know if you've listened to Timmy K. Sermons, but every single person that reads scripture at the beginning of of his sermon – so they always have a, a random person from the church like reading. The text for that sermon, they all sound like Dr. Fraser Crane. <laughs> or they all sound like sophomore theater students. You know, oh it's like God. with emotion, you know. Oh,
1: yeah, with emotion. <laughs> <laughs> like like that's that's but that's not in like a theater script. That's like when you when you and I were playing the saxophone in junior high and oh, then do a little stolen ensemble and it would be like with feeling, like above yeah. like the treble cleft there. Above the treble cleft, yeah, with feeling, and I we always like rolled our eyes at it. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it's unbelievable,
2: dude. It's it's a thing every time now that I'm listening to one of these sermons, and I and I hear the person read scripture. I always text KK, and I'm like, it sounds like Dr. Frazier Crane, or it sounds like you know a, a theater kid or whatever. It's really it's really a riot. Man. Well, he's um, also
1: the guy who had like the three male ballerinas that freaked out everybody, including by the way our Scott Clark, uh, right. about how effeminate it was or whatever, and it not not fitting for the you know whatever the the. What's the name of that? Regulative principle of worship. Oh yeah. Um, okay, sure. Because he's just where he is. I mean, he's yeah. in New York, he's around arty people, and they're all dude, it's love their to moment be. to be, you know, up on the platform and reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I'd go to that church if I lived around
2: there, wouldn't you? Oh, dude, I would go there in a heartbeat. Are you kidding? Absolutely. In fact, I have friends that live in New York City and do go there and they, they speak very highly of it, of course. You know. Nice. Yeah, he's great.
1: Boys, this has been tons of fun, but I got to uh, I got a jet.
2: Yeah. All right. What, baby? How are we signing this this thing off? I feel like you gave me an assignment and I forgot what
1: it was. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. We don't uh, see you next time here. We rock the Casbah. Okay. I thought maybe uh, you could you could just hit us with the Casbah at the right moment, but but in that gritty Ted Kluck sign off voice. So is is Nathan saying the rest of it, and I'll just
2: say Casbah. That sounds good. All okay. Right. Yeah. Great.
0: Alright, well boys, this has been a great time. Ted, over to you.
2: Okay. <laughs> That's not what we discussed. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> leave all this in. <laughs> yeah, leave it all in. Let's let's Zach, let's have another take. So Nathan, from where I see, from where I sit but what I understood was gonna happen was that you were gonna oh. say rock the and I was gonna say
1: Cazpa.
0: Oh is that is that what was going on? I missed that I missed, in, that, in I missed mind, that part. Sorry, you I missed what, that
1: guys, part. Listen, it's not Nathan's fault. He's been listening to a Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> podcast in one ear this whole time. Yeah. That wasn't a pepper grinder
2: or a mouse click. That was, like- was
0: Nine-sided dice or something. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. All right, guys, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.